Jesus, Mary Joyce from the Mule. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number nine of the Dog Training Dictionary with me, Greg Patterson, and as always, my wonderful co-host. Me, Carrie Ann Selwyn. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm very good. How are you? I'm um, I'm in a in a little hotel sweat box room, which uh, is is different. So apologies if the audio is a, a bit different from my end this week, guys. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I'm away on a course and it's also my booze first time in a hotel room. So I'm apologising in advance if she decides to let everybody in the hotel know that she's here. Well, if there are any shepherding moments, we will accept it, we will embrace it and it's cool. It's no problem. So, it's quite enriching being in a hotel room and somewhere new, isn't it? Um, yeah, it really is. It, uh, I think it teases up nicely for, for this week's episode. I, I felt that was a good layout. It's like, Def- definitely, boom, straight out. Like it. Let's just straight out the bat, boom, what are we talking about today then? It, yeah, it is. It's the big E. It's, it's a, all about enrichment this week. Yep. So enrichment's one of those things that I think is misunderstood in dogs. Um I think people kind of think that it's about making dogs work and do things and stuff. But I'm going to take a direct quote from Shay Kelly. Now, Facebook has a group called Canine Enrichment. Just that, Canine Enrichment group. It is brilliant. Shay Kelly runs it. Um, Shay's an author. He's great. And a quote literally from yesterday from when we're recording now is, Enrichment isn't about making animals work. It's about allowing them to fulfill behavioral needs and enjoy life. And that's exactly what this episode is about. Um, We want to explain to you what we can do for enrichment, what it means, what it involves. Um, We're going to touch on the five freedoms a little bit as well, because I think that's an important thing for everyone to be aware of. And just different types of enrichment, because it's something that's kind of misunderstood and also overlooked at how important it is. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggie for me is always, I think when you were about being misunderstood, I often find people find mental stimulation and mental enrichment for your dogs interchangeable, which, guess what, isn't the thing. Mm-hmm. Um Yay, it's so, yeah, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. But yeah, they are two very different things. I think a, a lot of us do fall in the trap of crossing over, meaning saying one, meaning the other, and vice versa. So I think trying to really draw that distinction between enrichment and exactly what that is, um, that's why I'm absolutely chuffed to bits we're doing this for this episode. Exactly that. So shall we start with the five reasons and just kind of explain what that is? So five freedoms is basically the basics of what animals need to thrive and we're not talking just survival because at the end of the day dogs can survive with food water and minimal shelter but we want our animals to thrive so the five freedoms are fear from hunger and thirst fear from discomfort fear from pain injury or disease um freedom to express normal behavior and freedom from fear and distress and the five freedoms are so important when it comes to dog training because different training methods do encroach 
on those five freedoms. There are some trainers out there that will use fear or discomfort in the name of training, which goes against what we should be doing to let our animals thrive, which is why I think us kind of starting with the five freedoms is so important because there are a lot of kind of celebrity trainers out there and trainers that are big on social media that they're showing quick fixes and they're not actually thinking about the emotional impact it has on the dogs. And as we spoke about in kind of even episode one, when we were talking about the quadrant and explained why we train the way we do, um, it's important to make sure that we are keeping our animals as happy as possible, but also letting them express normal behavior. And that is the massive part of the five freedoms because what is normal behavior isn't always the easiest of things to live with when we're living with another species. Yeah, no, absolutely spot on. And I think, again, it ties into when we covered off the hierarchy of dog needs as well. So again, like all of our episodes are starting to do, which is beautiful, is the art, as you often refer to it as, they're all interlinked. It's that big spider web of everything that we do. Um, and I think that's where that those five freedoms, a hierarchy of dog needs, they very much kind of tip to that, right, how do we enrich? Because that's where real quality of living I think starts coming, like I say, it plays into those natural behaviours, mm. which obviously our our dogs have in abundance. Yep, exactly that. And I do think that sometimes enrichment and mental stimulation do come together, but we don't want it to always have to be both. Things can be enriching without having to be like training or working or busy, busy. It can just be taking your dog to a new place and hanging out yeah uh, and again i think that i can't even speak i think that's where again we we, we can be easily lured into overcomplicating a lot of stuff as, as you mentioned we've come to this hotel it's our first night here boo's never been to a hotel before hugo has and instantly the difference in the behavior is like massive hugo's a little bit more kind of comfortable he's just snoozing laying next to me boo's a little bit more alert and aware of movements in the corridors and different sounds the fact that the layout of the room isn't what she's used to you know there's a lot of novel smells in here um so all of that is is absolutely kind of enriching and as you mentioned you know stimulating in that sense for her but there is a lot of enrichment going on as well our entire day to be honest has been enriching for her because we've had lots of different stuff a long drive a different venue so she's had lots of different things to deal with so although she might not be uh, kind of had a busy busy running around type of day mm-hmm. she has had a lot of things to process mentally right throughout today yep exactly that so with I think a lot of people kind of think that enrichment is all about doing and some of the examples we're going to give in this episode are but as you say, just being at a new venue today, although she's not actually done any work as such, she hasn't done any training today, just being at a new venue and taking in the new sights, sounds, all of that stuff. This for me is what enrichment is. It's about letting dogs show normal behaviours, giving them access to exhibit what their normal behaviours would be. It could be something as simple as allowing them an area to dig in. Digging doesn't have to be a training process. Digging could just be an outlet for a dog that enjoys digging stuff, but that can lead to enrichment. Is that a training thing? Possibly not. Could you put it on cue, which will help train your dog not to dig the garden when you don't want them to? Yeah, exactly that, because that's how I stopped Dodge digging up the flower beds. When we were when we're turning over the flower beds and planting, I let him dig and I cue him to dig. But the rest of the time he leaves the flower bed alone because we're not doing that game today. Yeah. And, and I think that's a key bit. I think we spend a lot of our life fighting a lot of those natural instincts and those natural desires and behaviours that our dogs have. And I dare say that's where a lot of certainly professionals kind of phones start ringing because my dog is digging or my dog's chewing or my dog's chasing stuff or whatever's kind of naturally occurring for them to get that that kind of quality of life and things that they feel that intrinsic need to do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we had the battling, and actually enrichment is very much about actually what I want to do is channel that mm-hmm. into something that's actually mutually beneficial. So I'm going to meet yeah. your needs of something you want to do, but hopefully it's going to be in a way that is much more compatible with my life, my furniture, whatever it might be. Exactly that. I always used to say with um, with puppy owners, we need to give them legal chews, legal yeah. digging areas, stuff where they're allowed to do that that behaviour. So I think the first thing that comes to mind with enrichment for me is like scent work and doing like sniffy stuff or different ways of feeding dogs. But sometimes people can kind of, it goes from giving the dog a little bit of a challenge and that kind of contra freeloading that we spoke about in the mini-side to actually making it difficult and making it not fun for the dog. And it should always be fun for the dog. And people start coming up with all these weird and wonderful challenges, which some dogs may enjoy, but others, like, they just want to eat their dinner. Don't make it hard. <laughs> and Yeah, you see, we do it right across various aspects of our training, don't we, where we get a a concept, a, a theory, an approach where we can see the benefits. We know it's going to work really well. And then we kind of go to town on it to a point of extremity. And it's like, actually, like you say, some dogs, it's just totally not suitable for. Some dogs are a handful of their dinner thrown in the grass of the garden and getting their nose down to snuffle and find it, have a bit of fun. But in that quite channeled, calm way of, of using their nose and, and foraging and finding, amazingly enrichment, not overly difficult, but challenging enough to to provide that outlet and that natural kind of scavengy, snuffly type truffling behaviour. Whereas, like you say, it's very easy to then go right. Well, I'll, I'll hide on top of the shed, for example, a bit of an extreme. But it's like, and your dog's just kind of going, oh, that's just you know, it's, it's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. Um, and it, it, I, I don't know if we get like a weird competitive edge as humans, but we, we constantly try and push the boundary a little bit further and make it more challenging and more difficult. And I will mentally enrich them to the end degree to a point where my dog will just sleep for a week after doing it. And it's like, oh, it's kind of, again, you just go too far. So I think finding that balance in whatever activity it is that you do with your dog, that you can see they enjoy it and they want to participate. More importantly, they want to come back and do it again. Because if they're not doing that, then you've, you know we've clearly gone a little bit too over the top with it. Yeah. One of my favourites is what we call our pre-recycling. So using empty cardboard boxes. Yeah. And either seeing my egg boxes are great, especially if you're, if you kind of feed a rainbow and you give your dogs lots of other stuff as well as kibble, you can section it out. So each little section of the egg box has, I don't know, like, a strawberry and then a blackberry and then a blob of yogurt and then a little bit of kibble and then a bit of a sprat and maybe a bit of egg and a bit of potato and whatever else you're giving them. And they almost have like this smorgasbord of like stuff that they can just snuffle through. And the dogs absolutely love it. If the egg box gets a bit chewed up, who cares? It's going in the recycling anyway. It doesn't matter. But I see people like rather than just putting you know we get like amazon deliveries and they've put loads of packaging paper in wicked throw the kibble in that give that to the dog sorted you see people spending hours like making parcels and like it's just a lot of effort like what are you doing <laughs> yeah no i'm totally with you on that the um yeah cardboardy stuff packaging papers boxes egg cartons loo rolls yeah, all tea towels, yeah. that kind of stuff it is just my go-to. And like I say, you can make it a little bit more complicated. You can roll stuff up. You can bend ends of loo rolls and fill it and then bend the other end and all that kind of stuff. So you can make it more challenging. But like you say, it's, it's about easing your dog into it as well. Because if they've never done it before, even confidence alone can be a bit of a challenge for some dogs. You know, If, if they've got to go and put their head in a box and it's got a weird object in there like wrapping paper or a a crushed plastic bottle or an egg carton or whatever it might be, some dogs can find that a little bit odd and mm. also just a little bit a little bit challenging in itself. You know, it can be a bit scary to go and shove your head in something that you're not familiar with. So my advice clients always like, we always start easy. If it is just an empty box and you sprinkle some of their food in there and they have to, you know, giraffe neck into it to try and get, eat it out and it might move and it might rock, Mm-hmm. fine perfect start there then you can add the packaging paper or the loo rolls mm-hmm. or 
crushed plastic bottles, egg cart, whatever you like. But I, again, I see, I get some amazing pictures sent to from clients where they've gone to town, like the amount of stuff that's in that box. And you're like, like oh, the dog's not really into it. And I'm like, probably because it's just a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of take a few yeah. bits out. All those individual bits, take them out and put them on the floor and let your dog interact with them that way. Don't go straight to piling them all in a box and making it over the top and too difficult and too complicated. And I think that's always that balance with your dog is understanding what are those traits that my dog likes to do? Is it a sniffling stuff? Is it a tearing stuff apart? Is it a bit of both? Yep. And then easing them into it. It doesn't take them long to start to master it, but you can very much kind of make or break it in a couple of sessions by going too big too soon. And knowing like kind of what part of that, um, what part of the prey drive kind of scale that your dogs go on as well, when we were talking about that in episode six, you know, some dogs, I'm going to use bull breeds as an example because Munchkin's laying opposite me fast asleep, bless her. But one of her favorite parts is the dissection stage. So to give her stuff that she can pull apart and rip into pieces, she loves that side of it. Whereas Dodge would much prefer to have stuff he can kind of chase after because he's on that part of the scale. The chihuahuas kind of fall into whatever, really. They just sort of have a bit of fun doing stuff. But one thing I noticed, we used to do quite a lot of Kongs and stuff. And the girls used to quite enjoy kind of having a Kong and would sort of stick with it for a while. But Minx, actually, if you make a Kong too difficult, she's not a big fan of frozen Kongs. She's like, don't really like frozen Kongs. Don't know if it's too cold for her. Just she gets fed up with it. Um, some dogs really enjoy frozen Kongs, but the amount of people, the first time I ever give a dog a Kong and they've stuffed it with yogurt and this and that and the other, and you're like, if, if you just put like, I don't know, a couple of blueberries in there, like that would have been all right. Like start them easy and build it up. And it doesn't always have to be like something that's going to last them for hours. If you want a chew that's going to last for hours, like, get an appropriate chew for your dog that they can kind of have. But one thing I will just say quickly from a little health and safety risk assessment point of view, multi-dog households, when you're doing enrichment stuff, please, please, please separate your dogs. Remove the pressure, whether it's each dog has their own room or if it's stuff like Kongs, things like that, pop them in the crates, just have them separate guys because Dogs work at different paces. And when you suddenly give them this amazing, wonderful, really cool thing to have, and there's other dogs around them, potentially you're setting your dog up to either have a discussion or to feel a bit guardy or just to kind of feel a bit worried about exploring it the way they want to because they're too busy watching what the other dogs are doing. So any enrichment stuff when it comes to multi-dog households, either do it one at a time or do it separately. Don't have them all in together, especially when food and stuff's involved because you don't want to inadvertently cause a discussion. Yeah, I see a big shift with my guys when they do that type, when they stick with what I call that snuffle box, you know, that kind of box full of recycling. That singular per dog is a really calm chilled out enjoyable experience mm-hmm. if i do them together instantly you see the the level of excitement the the level of interest in each other starts to build and the the exact reason i was doing it you know for that i always kind of picture it a bit like a kind of doggy crossword or like yeah. reading a book with a glass of wine it's that thing that it's not necessarily high energy in terms of enjoyment but it's enjoyable you do it because you like it and it's fun but it is quite mellow it's quite relaxed it might be challenging but it's not stressful and it's not frustrating um and it's it's trying to find that happy balance and yeah when you start adding more dogs to the equation even ones that are very social and social eaters and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. it can just suddenly just change the dynamic and it actually starts to become more competitive or it becomes more excitable and it's yeah. again it's a lot of energy which kind of almost in my opinion kind of directly conflicts the whole point of why you're doing enrichment because yeah, that for yeah. me like I say it should be that mellow type activity yep I mean like my guys um quite often we have things like Eva and sorry if anyone's squeamish but I feed raw um my guys will have things like beef tails or um rabbit ears stuff like that they're separate 
we everyone either goes into their crates or they go to separate areas if it's super high value stuff um dodge is shut outside and the girls are put in separate areas of the house because we came very close one day to dodge telling chica to go away um she'd finished her bone went to walk past him and he very clearly told her to back up so since then i just haven't put them in the situation because it's it's not worth the risk of there being an accident just because my ego wants all my dogs to be together and i think anyone that tells you that dogs should all be able to be in a room together like just why like you don't need to that's just human ego getting in the way like Dogs naturally will go off and eat and have eat at their own speed and do what they want. And you find when you do have kind of like if I do sprinkles and throw a handful of treats into the air, my dogs will all snuffle around and grab at treats and be fine. It is a lot calmer and steadier when it's one at a time than if it's a collective free for all of ninja chihuahuas trying to grab the treats quicker. I have a hungry hippo's image in my head. It is. That- <laughs> Do you know what? That is it. That is the best image. And me is the best hungry hippo going. She's like, nom, 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 nom. She's like a little crazy, like Pac-Man eating all the sweeties. She's crazy. Um, So make sure, guys, when you are doing enrichment stuff. Also, I like doing it one-on-one time because, especially in a multi-dog household, it is sometimes hard to spend quality time with each dog individually. So... Giving them 10, 15 minutes a day each of you, why why not, you know? And I think for some dogs, especially if they're getting a little bit older, you hanging out together for 15 minutes is much better than going on a big group walk together. Yeah. And again, touching back into our previous episodes, but it's, yeah, that that quality time together and, and how you spend it and taking the... You know, there's no pressure of training. There's no high energy of toy play or whatever it is that you're doing, running around fields or whatever. It is just, yeah, it's being present. It's mm-hmm. calming. It's relaxed. And it's a, it's a real lovely bonded experience. But I think just want to pick up a little bit on, because you mentioned Kongs, and I think, mm-hmm. again, it's such a raft of interactive feeders that are out there. Um, and, and, and Richmond toys as they may get tagged with as well. Mm-hmm. And again, it's 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 very easy to get kind of sucking in with the, the human marketing and go out there and buy interconnecting toys, rubberized stuff filled toys, puzzle toys, snuffle mats, licky mats, licky balls, all mm-hmm. connotated. The, a lot of them, I don't think I've really come across a bad one, not in terms of design, in terms of idea of what it's trying to achieve. Definitely yeah. come across some bad ones in terms of build quality and materials but um <laughs> but but in terms of kind of what they're trying to do and what how they're trying to work with your dog um there's such a variety out there but one of the biggest things i see working with clients is touching a little bit on what you mentioned with the cog is is that too hard too soon thing again and actually not spending the time helping their dog understand it like if you yeah. are getting to the point of stuffing a cog or uh you know, a, a, a rubberized Trixie snake things or yeah. a, a hedgehogs or whatever it is that you use it and just kind of stuff it and throw it down, your dog just might not understand it properly. So yeah. whenever I do any either existing or interactive feeder that we've not used for a while, it has start easy again, but be actually spend some time with my dog helping them suss out how to use it. Yeah. I remember introducing Boo to I have a... Uh, it is. It's another Kong one. It's it's called a wobbler, which is like yeah, an old yeah. fashioned weevil we wobbler. We can't have that's them what. in the house. Munchkin was like denting skirting boards with one of them. Yeah, Hugo's the same. So Hugo's quite vigorous with it. Um, yeah. He he picks it up and slams it on the floor and does all that. The boo, the first time she saw it, no, not a clue, no idea what to do with it. Yeah. She knew there was food in it, mm-hmm. but didn't have the dexterity, never really interacted with food in that way. So mm-hmm. actually spending some time sat on the floor, kind of knocking it about with her, encouraging her, you know, kind of helping her build on those little sniffs to her actual nose punch, to her paw. Yeah. And now she, she's a bit like you, but she goes to town on it. But mm-hmm. spending two or three sessions with her doing that, helping her and supporting her with it, and mm-hmm. trying to find that balance of encouragement 
so she actually is learning yeah. and progressing. That takes a bit of time and a bit of effort. So if you're going to go and spend money on one of these interactive toys, uh, interactive feeders, yeah, mm-hmm. help your dog out with them. Don't just yeah. spend 10, 12, 20, 30 quid, however much they are, throw it on the floor and expect your dog to know exactly what to do. Because, yeah. yes, they can problem solve, but, you know, again, we've, we've mechanically engineered these things to, uh, to be challenging. And sometimes we take full advantage of that, which is to the detriment yeah. of your dog. So it's interesting you mentioned the wobbler because some dogs find them so much fun. Munch actually finds it really frustrating because she can't bite it, she can't shake it, she can't dissect it. So for her, it's like, well, this thing's just irritating. It's a little bit like the um, boomer balls. Some dogs love, love, love boomer balls. I don't recommend them for bull breeds because you can't bite them. They can't do that grab shake sequence so a lot of terriers actually find the boomer balls really annoying whereas the herding breeds think they're the best thing ever because you can literally push it and herd it and have fun and it doesn't die if you happen to put your tooth on it um so it is making sure you're picking the right toys for your dogs you know some dogs i see dogs that like chew the tops off of kongs and stuff and i'm like is that because they don't fully understand that a Kong is for licking and calmness? Like when they're really power chewing them, I'm like, I mean, some dogs just enjoy slicing the top of Kongs off, which always amuses me to be honest. But to me, I would say there's an element of frustration in there um, that dogs, eat them because and destroy them because they're not actually finding it fun and enriching they're finding it frustrating because they can't get to the good stuff and it's not tapping into the parts of them that naturally need the outlet which is what enrichment is all about yeah definitely like i said it's so easy to get they say sucking it and just getting everything like you say it may actually work against you if it's mm-hmm. bringing frustration you know and all those types of feelings into the equation then that's that's definitely not an enriching uh, environment for your dog it it is something that's actually going to work against you yeah yeah and i think as well um the other thing i want to kind of talk about with it is um using all the senses to me enrichment should be about using sight smell sound touch and taste not just feeding your dog in a weird wonderful way yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's and then again, it's it's that thing of when I try and kind of do those little human equivalents of, you know, it's very different sitting down reading a book to it is to putting a vinyl album on and listening to a vinyl album, or mm-hmm. sipping a glass of wine or a nice rum or whatever it is. There's yeah. there's different pleasures and there's different enjoyments from all those different activities, or and sometimes you combine them. And again, it's it's. Yeah. just adds to those differences so i think again be very aware of that and choosing when and how mm-hmm. you, you know you're tapping into which ones it is again yeah. it's all part and parcel of it it makes a, a huge huge difference i mean one of my kind of favorite activities that i think is a crossover of training and um enrichment is the rucksack walk that steve mann created yes if you, you can hear it? growling, I'm just going to apologise now if growling is being picked up on the microphone. Tiny dog is sat right next to me. And if anyone else in the room moves even the slightest amount, she feels the need to vocalise to them that they should not move. Um, <laughs> she has been vet checked. She's fully healthy. She's just really freaking mardy with everyone. So apologies if you were hearing growling. It was not me. It was my chihuahua. Um, just to fall, in, fall into the stereotype that is Chihuahua, meet Minks, everyone. <laughs> so, rucksack walk, Steve Mann. Um, Steve writes about it in, uh, I think it's Puppy Squeezy. Um, if you are listening and you have not read Easy Peasy Puppy Squeezy and Easy Peasy Doggy Squeezy, they are two of our highest recommended books for owners and new trainers when it comes to learning about all things dog, because Steve just puts everything into terms that 
anyone can understand. His analogies are brilliant, and we've we've both learned a lot from Steve. So yes, we are Steve fans. We are IMDT groupies. Um, but the rucksack walk. Steve actually came up with the concept after he'd been to um, Peru and had just kind of watched street dogs just doing street dog stuff and hanging and chilling and doing things that dogs do. And if you're if you're not familiar with it, we actually used to do it um, when I was teaching puppy class. We used to do the rucksack walk as the very last exercise of the last week of puppy class. Um, we used to go to the woods, do a bit of training, and then we used to finish it with a rucksack walk for everyone to just chill out. And it gave all the owners something that they could take away with their dogs and do on a weekly basis, a monthly basis. I love it for new rescue dogs that need to decompress. Um, also, if you are really short for time, spending... 20 minutes doing a rucksack walk is much more beneficial than trying to run your dog around the block quickly for 20 minutes. A rucksack walk is just going to benefit both of you and get your dog in a lovely, relaxed, calm state before you need to go to work or wherever you're going to, rather than running around the block, getting that adrenaline up and then going, okay, I'm going now, bye. And the dog just kind of being left to do whatever while it's got all that adrenaline and all its like chemicals in its brain are going crazy. So, Greg, do you want to explain the rucksack walk or do you want me to? Yeah, I'm happy, happy to chime in, yeah, because I, again, big, big fan of it. Um, love it. I think Steve even actually has a bit of a webinar you can go get to. It's really yeah. cheap, actually, on, on their site. So you can you can hear the whole story and see Steve explain it in probably a lot better ways than I certainly will. You might do a slightly better job. But, yeah, it's I, I like how the first bit of it for me is, is obviously – there's things that you've got to prep for it. Obviously, the, the name would yeah. suggest it's a rucksack walk. Basically, you're going to take some stuff. And to go through those things that you look to take, you've first got, um, if this is the things that you could take in the rucksack, I should state. Obviously, you're going to take your dog naturally. So I, I think that goes without <laughs> saying. Um, but it's very much around, it does something on, on a smell. So mm-hmm. um, I love the little kind of pound shop, tiny little click lid, Tupperware tubs that you get for this um, but there's always a novel scent so that mm-hmm. goes in one of your little kind of uh, air sealed tubs uh, you've got a super tasty food reward um, again usually something quite novel again think of that te- smell the texture the taste mm-hmm. um, it usually has an object which is a novel object an item something that's pretty kind of inconsequential to your dog something they may have never seen never interacted with you know, mm-hmm. things like, I think the hairbrush is kind of one of the classic go-tos, isn't it? Um, something like that. I've, I've used child xylophones, um, the scrubby, spongy things that you get so for showers. I a toilet brush. Apparently it was new. And I, I, I definitely hope, otherwise the scent would be very, very different on that one. Um, uh, yeah, so you've got an item, a thing, something um, kind of unusual, a novel that your dog's not really seen before. And... The, the next thing, I think is the last one, if memory says you're right, is I always have it as an optional one, um, mm-hmm. depending on your dog, which is a toy, um, because how you then interact with your dog is really, really key. And some dogs, obviously, when they see certain toys, just kind of lose their mind, would get overly excited. That kind of isn't the purpose of the uh, of the rucksack walk. So mm-hmm. that's always, for me, that kind of optional extra way. We always did it with a chew, but a chew that was just a short, lasting to not saying like an that's a great alternative yeah yeah so we would have something like um like a little bit of jerky or a little tendon or something like, saying that the dog could spend a little bit of time with but could finish before we needed to go home yeah so without we three hours the conflict of having to do a swap for the treasure but yeah, so so you've you've got those things, um, and you you've got them all prepped, and you head out with your dog. And, and again, I think the other thing that Steve does really well when he when he talks you through this is, kind of, think about where you're going. So this mm-hmm. isn't just a generally the advice is this is something you just walk out your front door and do. It's about finding a spot, you know, yeah. somewhere that's a bit more serene, a bit quieter, somewhere you, you might have to drive to it, absolutely, or you might be able to walk to it. Yeah. Um, but generally, it's kind of it's getting off a little bit of the beaten track, finding you know the quiet base of a of a tree down by the river, wherever it is. It's just nice, mm-hmm. quiet, serene. You're not going to be 
bothered and pestered by other passers-by, other animals, other dogs. The point of the the rucksack walk is to spend a bit of real quality bonding time between uh, mm-hmm. between you and our dogs. So kind of thinking of where to go uh, is absolutely really key part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a prep. A long line, I think, is the other bit that Steve yeah. recommends using when you kind of do arrive. But it's very much about kind of once you've picked a spot, you've packed your stuff, get your long line attached to your dog's harness, and you go for a real nice, slow, steady walk to that spot. Uh, I think Steve even does a little bit of kind of check-in kind of elements. So if your dog just kind of darts off to the end of the long line, stopping, getting your dog to reconnect with you, you reconnect with them before you continue moving again. Again, just keep it all nice and chilled and relaxed. You know, it's not a race. It's not get to said point as quickly as possible. It's about mm-hmm. basically you and your dog understanding that you're walking there together as a joint mm-hmm. exercise. It's and about you, the journey, not the destination. Certainly is. It certainly is. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to hand over to you now. Okay? I'm going to let you talk through the, the actual activities that you do with the rucksack. Oh, all of them. I get all the activities. Do well, I? You, can, you can ping we'll, one back we'll to me whenever you want. It's cool. So once you've got to your spot, and I'll just say one of, if you're in a kind of more of an urban setting, um, really early morning, if you're going out sort of early morning or um, sort of when it's maybe a bit of a quiet time, if you've got like big shopping areas near you that have really, really big car parks, early morning, finding a really quiet corner of a car park can be quite a cool place to do this, which I know you might be thinking, that's not that children's room, but actually if it's quiet, it's just about you and your dog hanging and being together. So if you're in a more urban setting and you haven't got time to drive to a field or a woods or whatever, tennis courts work quite well as well. Um, somewhere where you can just kind of take you and the dog to be quiet. But once you're there, um, you start off with what we call a triangle recall. And you don't have to do the triangle recall bit, but... For dogs that are in training and dogs you're trying to sort of work on a bit more of a bond with them, maybe it's a new rescue or a puppy. I like this element. Dogs that are maybe a bit older, I don't always do the recall bit in it. I sort of sub that out for just a bit of extra hanging out time. But a triangle recall is basically you work in the shape of a triangle. So you put drop a couple of treats on the floor, move away from the dog, call them to you, drop treats on the floor, move to another point call dog to you drop treats on the floor then you move back to the original point so if you were looking at it from above you've basically walked in a triangle hence why it's called triangle recall it only has three sides i had to explain this to a client one day there are only three sides to a triangle therefore you only have three points you are dropping your treats on the other reason for doing triangle recalls is because the first couple of times the dogs may have walked over that area they may be sniffing they may be exploring but once you've done the triangle a couple of times the dogs really don't have much to sniff which means they're going to be engaged with you they're going to be watching you they're going to be more focused on you so the triangle recall is a really good way of getting the dog from kind of sniffing exploring mode to oh hang on I'm doing something with the monkey and we're doing something together mode I'm going to pass back to you for the next stage because I think that's fair. Oh, beautiful. So just uh, out of curiosity, when you're doing the recall, do you, do you just take standard treats when you do this for your recall? Yeah, Are I you do. I any... just use whatever our normal yeah. reinforcement is. If it's if the dog's kind of got a pretty good recall, might just use their normal food. But if we work on the recall, probably just use something like chicken or maybe a bit of hot dog maybe like some training treats, but it's something that kind of I would use regularly with the dogs within their world and what they're kind of used to because the novel taste is coming up soon. Because uh, I think after you've done the recall, it's, it's then for me, I very much move to the kind of sitting down and, and start to spend that time with your dog. You've done that little activity moving around uh, and then you kind of just, you know, pop, you, pop yourself down on a picnic blanket, a bed, base of a tree, wherever it is that you've gone to. Mm-hmm. And then that's where, for me, the rucksack kind of really starts to come to life for you then. Yeah. The, the one thing I love about what Steve does when he talks about this is actually making the rucksack itself part of the experience. So mm-hmm. it would be very easy just to start diving into the rucksack and kind of getting the various objects and items out. Um, 
but what Steve wants is kind of having that little bit of interaction and building a little bit of curiosity. And again, now the the way he does this is I absolutely love it because it's about building on your dog's natural curiosity, that natural desire to investigate, excuse me, without getting kind of overly excited. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a very fine line here, it's, it's understanding your dog. Arousal levels low. Yeah, absolutely. All arousal levels. Because uh, the, the idea is, obviously, you take the bag, whatever it is, the rucksack, the bag, whatever you've got your ticket, and you start to kind of talk, and I'm going to have to kind of do this pseudo for real here to try and uh, mm-hmm. do it, but you, you kind of get in the bag, and you're kind of having this conversation of, what's this? Would you like to come and have a look? Do you want to see what's inside the bag? And the way you talk, the tone of your voice, depending on your dog, it needs to be suitable where it gets interesting but not exciting. Because I've seen clients do this go, oh, my God, look at the bag, look what's in here. It just goes nuts. And that's the exact opposite of what you're trying to achieve. So it's about talking and communicating with your dog in whispers in ways that are going to start to kind of get their interest. So the way I explain it to clients, you need to find your inner golem. You need to have the precious. <laughs> and you have just found the most precious, precious within that rucksack. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of as you start to open it, you know, it is that, that that's once you've opened the rucksack. And it, uh, it I've kind of, I almost have like a bit of a, an archaeologically type kind of mindset with this is you've found the area, that's the rucksack. Mm-hmm. Then you start to excavate it. So you start to kind of peel back the layers, you unzip mm-hmm. it, you kind of get it in there. You want to build that, oh my God, what are we going to find in here type mm-hmm. kind of mindset again without the excitement level getting silly. So mm-hmm. um, I tend to find clients will do the order that they think works best for them. So mm-hmm. I don't tend to get too hung up on the order. But the way I tend to do it initially is I usually start with the scent. So mm-hmm. I'll find that little pot with it. it's got whatever it's in there, you know, the tea bag, the you know, a cotton wool one with some dog safe essence. So I have, I've had clients bring me like gerbil shavings. Kind I of, was you know, gonna say animal animals. stuff is a really good one. If you've got friends that have horses, if you've got friends that have alpacas, if you can get some kind of natural other animal smells in. Herbal tea bags are a great one because you can pick up some really cool stuff. If you are using essential oils, guys, like one single drop, that is it. Don't overload the dog's noses with smell because we'll end up in the perfume department at Christmas, which no one needs that in their world. Like you don't want to overload the dog senses. So I prefer using more kind of natural stuff. If we are using like an oil or something, I actually prefer using plants. So like yeah. if you've got like lavender bushes or chamomile or something like that near you or in the in the garden or a neighbor's garden, just grab a little bit of lavender, pop that in the pot. That's going to be a much better scent than saying kind of artificial Definitely. that you don't yeah. want the dog kind of that's going to cause Great the dog to start sniffling and sneezing at. Yeah, definitely. But again, the way you kind of put your hands on that article that's in the bag and you start to bring it out again, as you mentioned, it is the precious, you know, it's the thing. And you want to make it that inquisitive event and mm. then start to interact with it. So you, um, I'm I right, you can see was it baby bird. As a, I, I yeah, know I still call it the baby bird. Yeah, imagine it's a little baby bird, yep. Uh, and, you know, you kind of cupped it in your hands, you, you're kind of whispering to it, you get your dog intrigued with it. And even when you start to kind of unclip or take the lids off, you're not just going for that big, it's not a plaster, you don't just rip it off and reveal it. There's a, a very slow, steady kind of way of starting to, you know, just break the corner ever slightly so that your mm-hmm. dog can go in there and start to sniff and they can start to inquire and be inquisitive with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it's not just to open the lid, there you go, so shove your nose in that. That's yeah. not what it's about. It's about having that connected experience with your dog where you're making an event, of, a, a very relaxing, calm, engaging event of that sense. So you start to kind of talk to it, you break it open really slowly, let your dog kind of gradually get more and more kind of nose mm-hmm. in there to, to enjoy the smell. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of the way I do this with clients is I kind of, especially with the scent definitely, but with pretty much all of these things, is let your dog enjoy it the first time round. Mm-hmm. Then I close it back up. I wait 
30 seconds a minute and then I kind of see if they want to go again. Yeah. It's very easy to get, start to rush through these things because you're like, right, set, done, boom, next thing. And actually, I kind of just want to make sure, have we got all, have, you know, have we extracted everything out of that experience for my dog? Mm-hmm. So do it once, they'll, they'll have a good sniff and then they'll probably break away and want to go sniffing around the grass again or watch what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of go through that repertoire again to see if they want another go. And if mm-hmm. they do, fab. If they don't, fine. That's my indication then to, you've to move on to the next subject. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I do scent first. What What would you? Are you? A I then first, after scent, I then go on to kind of the object because that's a little bit tactile. It's about, and it needs to be sent, guys. That is safe for your dogs to put their teeth on, and it's safe for your dogs to lick. And if they happen to chew at it a little bit. Like, no one's going to die. So, like, don't bring a blooming crystal ornament with you or something. Like, make sure it's a dog-safe thing. But it is literally a thing. It could be a ball of yarn. It could be the scraper from your car. It could be a hairbrush. Like, it's just a thing. Just a random thing. Kids' toys are really cool. They tend to have lots of different textures on them. Baby toys are brilliant. Charity shops, the baby toy section for dog toys and novelty stuff is absolutely brilliant because mm-hmm. lots of baby toys have different sounds and textures, which are really good for your dog. <laughs> they're also fairly bite-proof because they're designed for babies to shove in their mouths and lick and dribble all over so most things are kind of you can swap them over between kind of kids and dogs so the thing is it's just like novel it's like different people kind of really overthink sometimes what they're putting in the rucksack um one of it's actually one of dodge's favorite toys but one of my favorite things to use with puppies is um the milk liner things that they literally use for milking cows you can buy the liners really really easily um if you've got a dairy near you like quite often they're throwing them out and getting rid of them um dogs absolutely love them as toys they make really good tuggy toys but as a novel object the first time a dog sees one of those things they go nuts because the smell and the texture and the taste and like it's all the senses are there they can touch it and smell it and taste it and sniff it and look it and oh my god it's like overload yeah and and again yeah i love charity shops because they're just it's it's stuff that's just totally random and i think it's it's a nice place to go and just go that's weird and odd like if it catches your eye i'm a big fan of like right that's that's going to the rucksack great great thing again obviously with an element of common sense as always but yeah there's Fabulous things that you'll find of strange woolly hats or an old slipper or whatever it might be. It's uh, yeah, lots of great little things, kitchen utensils, baby toys, all that kind of stuff. There, yeah, the kitchen utensils is another really, really good one, like whisks and spatchy spatches. And it's called spatchy spatch in our house, okay? Or spatula to normal people. Um, I, I've got a um, it was a like a silicon tipped version of a basting brush. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. the kind of like yeah, silicony, rubbery kind. Of, yeah, um, I find dogs find those really fascinating because they've got that weird, like tickly kind of. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to digress go. quickly, and I'm yeah. going to save you from your hole you're about to dig yourself in. Thank the you. Spatchy spatch in our house is actually the fish slice flippy thing. That's the that's, that's that's our sauce. Oh man, gosh! This it's is what a... Dale has. Dale, so my poor husband, who is actually trained as a chef in his younger years, has to deal with me saying, "Can I have the statue statue in the kitchen?" This is why he does most of the cooking in our house. So novelty items can be stuff you don't know how they work or what the correct name is. Uh, yeah, yeah, love it. Everyone um, is now going to call it a spatchy spatch forever. Spatch. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it, uh, that's terrible. 
Oh, so yeah, once once you've got over renaming all your kitchen utensils, mm. the wrong thing. Um, <laughs> then you can move on. So I usually do at this point. I would usually do the food at this point. The taste, the novel. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That kind of real kind of. I'm, I'm a big fan. I again, everyone's different. I'm not a big fan of giving my dogs kind of human food scraps definitely from my plate they occasionally go in the kitchen and they might get some but i mm-hmm. that for me is a great opportunity where like if i'm going to go and do a rucksack walk on a sunday afternoon and i've had my sunday lunch an hour or two earlier like a little bit of leftover sunday lunch is your novel food oh, amazing uh because you can get some veg in there you might have a little bit of meat if you're that way inclined you open a potato mm-hmm. or whatever it might be and again it's very different it smells different textures different mm-hmm. tastes obviously very different um i i've got a dog with meat allergy so i often go to things like um like sardines you know like the, the real big kind of meaty chunky sardines and all that kind of thing but yeah that real novel interesting food again exact same repertoire you know mm-hmm. when it comes out it's an event it's not yeah. just a take the lid off and eat it it's a uh, you want yep. to make it occasion. You want to get your dog's interest in there because it's all part of that bonding and that calming yep. but interesting mm-hmm. uh, experience between you and your dog. Yeah, we use um, fruits and berries quite a lot as well. Oh, yeah. Like banana, kiwi fruit, strawberries, blueberries, blackberries. I mean, Munch spends most of from now till beginning of autumn blackbring herself. Like Munch is fully versed in brambling and quite often comes out with little scratches over her nose bless her from doing it but raspberries stuff like that because quite often we kind of overlook giving our dogs fruit but they can have a lot of different fruits and especially seasonal fruit is really cool because you can give them things that are a little bit different dodge is obsessed with bananas it's one of his favorite things ever um but apparently he likes kiwi fruit don't give things like cherries um, stuff with stones in because obviously that's not good for your dogs. But blueberries is a big hit in this house as well. And the dogs will actually have been harvesting the strawberries themselves, bless them. <laughs> that photo was, uh, I think something was fantastic. Of, dogs of him like era. in the garden, like <laughs> I found the strawberries, they are right. I will help myself. Like the other day there was one that a slug had just sort of got to. So it had obviously broken the skin and he was like, hmm. Mama can't eat this. The slugs have been on it, so I can have it. And I was like, dude, like, are you just... But also, like, root veg as well, like things like butternut squash, pumpkin, um, swede, stuff like that they can have as well. So it doesn't always have to be the obvious carrots and potatoes. You can kind of vary it a little bit. If in doubt, just check the list of dog-safe foods. Um nothing like um avoid kind of nuts raisins grapes don't give them that stuff um hear people talk oh my dog used sweet grapes it was fine okay but some dogs aren't so just don't risk it yeah 100% yeah safety first health and safety risk assessment health and safety risk assessment exactly that I need a t-shirt I need one that says health and safety risk assessment and I need and I think then on the back it should say it's not a thing see I don't think that would work because you kind of contradicted. You almost said a health and safety risk assessment is not a thing. <laughs> when for you, it is very much. Well, I need two separate t-shirts. Is what you're saying? I, I think. Okay. I think we we will need we need to get a little merch store going. We do need some merch with "It's not a thing" on the merch store. I think so. Little fridge magnet or something. It'll, and that will be a thing. Yeah, a thing. Okay, on, cool. It's not a thing. Back to the rucksack walk. <laughs> yes so the last bit of the rucksack walk and this is where we kind of differ a little bit because you said about toys i prefer a chew i'm very much you've you've converted me instantly i love that idea so that will definitely be yeah so this would be where um this is kind of where you need to know your dogs i don't bring a long lasting chew because you want it to be so things like yak bars antlers hooves stuff that is going to take your dog forever unless you have forever if you're planning to sit in a field for an hour and do not a lot and read a book while your dog has a chew by all means take a long lasting chew but i tend to use things like um jr products do like the little chew sticks yeah um, they're pretty cool um 
little like i mean rabbit ears last my guys about 30 seconds to be fair like my guys even the chihuahuas they're pretty savage but um tendons are quite good um i don't tend to recommend dentist sticks because they're generally full of stuff that's not particularly great for your dog and um yeah Uh, they're they're not the best quality of chews for your dog to be fair, I mean, nutrition's a minefield and neither of us are nutritionists, but I, I'm, I definitely always gravitate towards natural stuff. Um, it, yeah. it may look a little bit weird and creepy at times, but at the end of the day, you know exactly what's in it. And yeah. it's, you know, it's it's stuff that your dog is, is designed to kind of eat. So yeah. I, um, I very much air towards that kind of stuff and stuff that's kind of come through kind of heavy processing. Uh, again you know general day-to-day food aside because i'm a kibble feeder um as well as a dehydrated raw feeder um for a variety of reasons so again everyone's Mm -hmm. different but yeah i think when it comes to those kind of real nice novel kind of treat chews or whatever you want to call them yeah they're those for me or i always kind of gravitate to natural ones as best i possibly can the other ones I quite like for my guys, um, this may seem a contradiction to people, but it's like the whimsy type chews, which are like the little hedgehogs, the alligators, the toothbrushes. They're quite cool for the rucksack. Well, we found unicorn ones the other week and a dragon. I was well happy that there were unicorns and dragons involved in the rucksack walk. I didn't know they did them. I'll have to look. Because, yeah, my dogs love those. Um, the, I can't remember, is it a rice or something that they're made from? Yeah, um, um, I know the unicorn one had coconut in it or something. Yeah. Um, There's loads of ones like that. Again, my dogs absolutely love those. They go and they brothers. don't take too long. It's like a nice chew that lasts 10, 15 minutes rather yeah. than like hours. If you're short on time, just take a little chew that's going to maybe last a minute. But the idea is to give the dogs the access to chewing because chewing helps dogs relax it is a really good way of getting dogs to chill and it's a stress reliever the way dogs are put together the jaw muscle is connected to the neck and when animals carry tension that like us they carry it in the neck so giving the dog something to chew can help relax those muscles around the jaw which then can help relax those neck muscles so that's why chewing can be a really good stress reliever for dogs that have been in stressful situations or are finding the world a little bit much. It's also why you find sometimes when dogs are getting stressed or frustrated, they can chew stuff because they are doing it to try and alleviate some of that pressure. Uh, my Hugo is, is one of those, 100%. Um, we, we always joke and call it um, is dummy, but we have a one of those rubberized cricket balls on a handle. Um, <laughs> and when he's in a, in a new situation, today's been a classic example, you know, somewhere new, novel, exciting, fun, He's got all revved up, kind of a little bit, not, I wouldn't even say stress, he's just kind of, he's just on it. Um, and he loves to chew to relieve stress and mm-hmm. carrying one of his, you know, an antler or a buffalo horn or whatever it is that he would mm-hmm. usually go to at home isn't really suitable kind of around. It's, it's not an easy thing for him to chew on. Um, so he, he just gets, he gets the ball and he loves it. And so he just gnaws but on it. But it is with a handle. It is with a handle. So it's connected to me. Um, but there's also, another reason. Swallow and spit it out across the road, or do all those other things that dogs like to do with slobbery balls. Um, yeah, and it's also it's it's there as a as a a, a tool for what about description. It gives him mm-hmm. the outlet that yeah. he needs when food isn't doing it for him, and it, he'll yeah. literally will chomp on it for ten seconds, and then he's kind of like, "Thank you very much, just what I needed." So that kind of, could be his. Novel, yeah, yeah. But that could be his substitute for a toy, could just be chomping on his truck it for a little while. Um, this is where I know some people do bring a little mini snuffle mat with them in their rucksack and do a little scatter feed, a little snuffle mat to finish it yeah, off yeah. because their dogs might not be a big chewer, but they might find that sniffing element and that little searching element the relaxing time. So it's kind of tailoring the rucksack walk to your dog, but those are, those are the elements of it, and that's kind of the bones of it. You can do it as quickly as 15 minutes. You can take a bit longer and do it as half an hour. I would argue that half an hour rucksack walk for a lot of dogs is more beneficial than half an hour road walking. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I'm a big figure of, you know, kind of 
duration trumps distance is what I usually mm-hmm. preach in class. Um, and it is about that because if they are spending time doing something, mm-hmm. it's usually interactive for them in, in whatever context it is. And obviously the rucksack warmers people have hopefully picked up on is it's tapped into all our senses. Um, so the time invested in doing that and spending that time and working your nose and your, you know, your eyes, your ears, your, your mouth in terms of taste and eating and stuff, mm-hmm. it's all of that time is it takes effort and energy, and but it's, yeah. it's, it's channeled in the right way. So you, you're absolutely going to, as, as, as the episode was, yeah, enrich your dog's kind of life and time doing that than it is just route marching them around the block yeah. for 20 minutes. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, I'm a big fan of that uh, that duration trumps distance mantra. Yeah, massively, massively. So kind of in summary of enrichment, because these are slightly shorter episodes, now we have the mini-sodes. It's, I think this episode's still like an hour, but it's, yeah. it's shorter than it was. It is. <laughs> We're doing a bit better. So summary of enrichment is about giving your dog access to do what they would do naturally so if your dog is a digger naturally making them a little digging pit in the garden is going to be brilliant enrichment for those dogs you know one of the thing, one of the ways I let Dodge do it is um if we go to fields and there's molehills I let him dig at the molehill the ground's already nice and soft. I know he's not going to injure his paws or anything. Um, one of the things Dodge loves doing in true swamp shepherd style is um, laying in mud and water. And muddy water is like the ultimate for him. But I give him access to that because that for him is enriching. You know, we um, we went for a, our first group canny cross run at the weekend. Um, I sent you a picture of the boy with three other dogs in it a row. Very one, good. One of those dogs he'd never met before, and it was a boy. Fabulous. I know, right? Like, it was a whole thing. But near the end, there was a little river that was quite shallow. So we took the dogs down to the river, unclipped them, let him have a bit of a splash around and a mooch. All the other dogs went in the water, had a little drink. He straightway went in the water and just flumped down and got himself as wet as he possibly could. By the time we'd run back to the van, he was dry again. But I could have been like, oh, no, you're running. your No, that little five minutes of enrichment and giving the dogs that little bit of chill time made the run more enjoyable for all of us. We got to watch our dogs splashing around in the water. The dogs got to have that bit of enrichment of just splashing around in water. And then we carried on the work side of it, which was running together and having fun. So you can build enrichment into your walk. It doesn't have to be a separate thing. You can make your walks a little bit of training, a little bit of enrichment. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you know fine well, second time round, if you've got to that location again, he's going to love it because he's going to know that that enrichment, which is naturally also a reward, is absolutely mm-hmm. there waiting for him. So he's like, yeah, I get to run round with me mates and my mum, go down here at the end, I get to do a bit of swamping and then I get to run back. It's, yeah, quids in, why wouldn't you do it? Exactly that. So it's, it's tapping into the things that your dog's enjoying. Now, if I'd taken Minx to the water and gone, Minx, go in the water, she would have looked at me like I was absolutely nuts. Although, to be fair, she would also look to me like I was absolutely nuts for going for a run with her. I was just about to Whereas, say, I, I, I like the fact that you thought you'd actually even get there running with her. Because I get the feeling like if you put her in an off-road buggy, <laughs> you run with her, she'd be like the, the running bit, like, she would free run with me. Could I put her in a harness and get to a hill and give her a go-cue and expect her to pull me up the hill? Hell no. One of the hills we did, I'm not going to lie, halfway up, even Dodge was like, are you having a laugh here? Come on, put a bit more effort in, mum. I ain't pulling that much. I was like, sorry, lads. Okay, let's do this together. But it's about doing stuff with your dog. Enrichment. I think a lot of people look at enrichment as a way of keeping their dog quiet and kind of amused, which it can be. But I think it should be you and your dog doing stuff together as well. Yeah, definitely. It's And, and again, like all of this stuff, you can mix and match it. You can... You can do, you know, those times when you can bond together and you can spend a bit of quality time together. It might be times that you actually give them a little bit of independent time to supervise naturally, mm-hmm. but 
where they can go do their own thing, they can go problem solve, they can explore, they can snuffle it and dig it and do whatever it is that they want to do. But again, don't try and the big thing for enrichment is the minute it's routine, the enrichment factor probably will start to wear off a little bit. So the whole point of having all of these variations, the great groups, the, the books, the toys, the theaters, the activities, mm-hmm. it is, you know, mix and match it, keep it interesting. You know, your dog will actually have some favorites that will never ever grow old, but other yeah. ones, yeah, you know, varieties of spice of life with some of those and, and yeah. yeah, invest the time and effort in, uh, in helping your dog learn them because uh, they are 100% like I did a lot of that sort of stuff with Hugo and Boo when they first joined the house. And I definitely, yeah, it 100% worked for them. So I'm yep. all for the enrichment. Yep. And it's not always food, guys. It's using all their senses and tapping into letting them have the freedom to express normal behavior and not trying to suppress what is natural to your dog. Enrichment gives your dogs one of those freedoms, which is what we want to do. So, Mr. Greg, should we wrap it up there? I think we should. Yeah, I think that covers absolutely everything there. If people want to listen to a bit more of you. They can obviously find me here, but of course I'm also on the Woofing Possum podcast. And if they haven't got enough of your dulcet tones, where can they find you, Kerry? My delightful tones can be found on Canine Heaves World, the podcast. So until next time, guys, stay safe, be kind, Wash hands thoroughly. Keep dogs on lead around livestock. Don't let them lick toads. Bye. Bye. If you would like to join in the fun of Watch Word Wednesday and Thingamajig Thursday, follow the Dog Training Dictionary on Facebook and Instagram at Dog Training Dictionary. Email any questions to dtd at dogtrainingdictionary.com. Please rate, review and subscribe and tell your chums. The Dog Training Dictionary is brought to you in association with Canine Hoopers World and the Woofing Porson podcast. Follow Canine Hoopers World on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Canine Hoopers World. The Woofing Porson podcast can be found on Facebook and Instagram at Great Paws NE. Thank you once again for listening and we hope you've enjoyed your learning journey. It's now Dream Dictionary.